This is the Action Network Podcast. And this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm Brandon Anderson, joined as always by Raheem Palmer here to wrap up week two. It was an ugly start to our Sunday. Seven of the nine early games went under. It's starting to feel a little bit like the quarterback red wedding. We had injuries to Tua Tagovailoa, Tarod Taylor, Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz. But we made it through. We had a great rest of our Sunday. Underdogs, 8-5-1 and one against the spread again with five more upset wins. Raheem, how did you feel about our games today? There were some interesting games. I think that the, the second half of the slate was a lot more fun than the first half of the slate. I think they, for whatever reason, they put all the fun games with the, the high overs and the unders or 4 p.m. East, East Coast time and then obviously the prime time game. So I, I feel like we ended out on a bang after a lot of blowouts early. So we have a lot yeah, to def- talk about. It definitely felt that way. It was a very much a crescendo day. So we are going to run through the entire Sunday slate, not in order today because we want to get to some of those big games early We'll do betting takeaways from every game, and then we'll preview Monday Night Football and finish with our Week 3 hot read and pick some early winners. If you haven't already, please make sure to download our award-winning app. You can track all of our picks there, get real-time notifications, so you can play the, the best lines when we play them. I think both of us already have some picks going in tonight, and check out the tools and articles there as well. As always, odds today are from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. And let's get started where our day ended up. Let's get down, let's get down to business. So let's get down, let's get down. With the Chiefs and the Ravens, definitely the game of the day. The Baltimore Ravens outlasted the Chiefs 36 to 35. Patrick Mahomes, his first ever loss in September. Raheem, where do we even start on this one? I think you have to start with Kansas City's defense because that's the reason they lost this game. When you look at what they what Baltimore did tonight, it was just incredible. 481 total yards, 7.1 yards per play. Lamar Jackson threw for 239 yards, a touchdown. He had two interceptions. The Chiefs won the turnover battle, and it's just like they could not stop this team. Lamar Jackson, 16 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. When you look at this Chiefs defense, I'm – it's truly problematic. It, I mean, to say the least, this is a team that's given up a 57% success rate on runs. That's dead last. They're dead last in EPA. They're dead last in success rate. They're giving up a 55% success rate total between rushing and passing. This team can't stop a nosebleed. So I, we love Patrick Mahomes. I think you're looking at a team that's going to struggle to actually win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, it is. It's really jarring to see that the Chiefs continue to play in these close games. Kansas City very well could probably should be 0-2 right now. And if you throw out a meaningless week 17 game last year, Kansas City has played otherwise in nine consecutive one score games right now. What's crazy is they won all of them until until this one, until this one. And it looked like they're going to win this one anyways, even though the Ravens were basically doing 
the exact game plan you'd want to play against Kansas City. They were really had a pretty good defensive scheme, despite that the Chiefs still, you know, put up 35 points. Um, they were they're playing a good way. They were running the football well. Lamar Jackson had five plays at least of just like what the heck just happened. Video game Lamar just happened. We had the Lamar jump pass touchdown. We had the Travis Kelsey touchdown. That's going to be like on his Canton highlight reel someday. I mean, it was an awesome game. And it's crazy that even with the way that the Ravens played, the Chiefs still should have won. They were right there. All they had to do is just not fumble the ball. And, you know, credit to Odafe Owe, the rookie, huge game from him. He got the strip and the recovery. And then credit to John Harbaugh and the Ravens, trusting his guy. That's how they play. Fourth and one, you got to go for it. I love that he asked his quarterback. You know, if you're asking him, you know, he's going to say yes, but let him take the credit. Let Lamar be the guy and lead the team. That's great leadership from John Harbaugh. Great leadership from Lamar. It's wild how much went right and wrong for both teams. And it really feels like either team could have had this one. Going forward, we know that we know that Lamar can put a team on his back. Right now, this defense, they're having trouble stopping people, obviously. But, I mean, based on what they did tonight, Baltimore is not totally out of it. I'm not, I'm not quite sure that they're going to be the juggernaut that they were before. But Lamar Jackson showed that he's a superstar tonight. And yep. when you look at the rest of this division, you got Pittsburgh – who hasn't really shown anything. Cincinnati hasn't really shown anything outside of Cleveland. I just don't, this is not a dangerous division for me. So John Harbaugh is still one of the best coaches in the game. I know a lot of us counted them out based on their injuries, but a top tier quarterback and a top tier coach, you still have a shot, a shot to do some, some damage here. Yeah, for sure. The, the definitely, you know, we've been talking about this game kind of eyeing, okay, what will Baltimore's price be once they're 0-2 after this one? What are they going to be to make the playoffs? What will they be to, to win the division and win the Super Bowl? Well, so much for that because that didn't happen. The Baltimore came through. They were three and a half point underdogs. They started at two and a half. We, many of us were sweating out the ending to this one, that two point conversion. Would there be a field goal? Would the Chiefs win by two, but not cover any of the spreads that any of us had? None of it mattered. The Ravens won anyway. So they close up plus 165 to the money line. These guys hit the over with ease, of course, at 36 to 35. But yeah, what I wonder now is how much should we be worried about the Chiefs? On the one hand, they almost won the game. They should have won the game. They should probably be 2-0 right now. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had never fumbled the NFL before. It happens. They, I don't know why you're running there. Just pass the ball. Just let Mahomes do his thing. And just keep keep trucking down the field. But they had it. It was right there. They probably should have won. On the other hand, a lot went right this game. They had a, a couple long, huge plays that only the Chiefs pull off. They had a pick six within a minute in the first start of the game where I was like, oh, this game is over. Here we go. The Chiefs, you can't give them seven right out of the gate. This game is, is done. It had another interception from, from uh, the Honey Badger a couple drives later. And they still almost lost, even with all those big plays. So with the Chiefs defense struggling like it is, and it always seems like it's it's Pat every week. It's got to be Pat. How worried should we be? Is this still a Super Bowl favorite to you? I don't think they're a Super Bowl favorite. I think they're a team that in the regular season can dominate. But when it comes to the playoffs, teams run the ball. You know, and it's just like like I said before, the Ravens put up 
6.1 yards per carry and 251 rushing yards. If you can't stop the run, you're in trouble. This team had multiple 11-point leads tonight and couldn't hold either one of them, which means basically that means that this team came back twice from double digits. So if your defense can't hold a double-digit lead in the playoffs, you're going to be facing tougher defenses. You're going to face defenses that break out new things for you. And it's just I'm, – I'm really concerned. I don't I, – even with Patrick Mahomes, I just don't see how this team can win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's telling, too, that the Ravens, of all teams, are the team that that overcame those double-digit deficits. As much as we've questioned that and as hard as that's been for them, I realize after the game, the Chiefs converted a one-third down the entire game. The Chiefs were a one of six on third down. They ran 49 plays. They only had the ball for 24 minutes of possession. Now, granted, that's because they average 8.3 yards of play, like it's hard to possess the ball when you just score after a couple of plays on a bunch of your drives, but that's a problem because not only is your defense not good by the end of this game, the chiefs defense had to be exhausted. It's, it's hard. It is tiring seeing Lamar Jackson running down your throat, play after play, seeing that option, making those reads every single time. If your offense is so good, then you never get off the field. So I don't know. We both had some concerns about the Chiefs coming into the year. I don't know that this is an even bigger concern than we had, but it does seem like this is is not an invincible team. They seem beatable. Do you think that that's the case? I agree. Yeah. All right, let's move to our next game, the one that finished just before that one started, Cowboys and Chargers. That's one that you and I were looking forward to all week. This one was a very weird game. The Cowboys ended up winning 20 to 17 in a game that felt like it was more like 40 to 37, but the points never actually made it to the scoreboard. We talked last week about betting the over on this. Didn't even get close to that. That ended up at 55. We had it at 51 and a half on our, on our look ahead hot read. We only up with 37 here. Cowboys were upset winners on the road, plus 135. What do you make of this one? This was a fun game. I think it's very interesting because I look at the Cowboys in the same way that I look at the Chiefs. Even though they did, they only put up 20 points, their defense is one that is going to put them in positions to where Dak Prescott has to always bail them out. And if he's not scoring, they're going to struggle to win. Now, they were fortunate because they played a Chargers team that struggles in the red zone. And we all thought that Anthony Lynn – was going to change the culture of this team, but he really hasn't changed changed the culture of this team. They were two for six in the red zone against the Washington football team. They were one for four in the red zone today against Dallas. Herbert had two interceptions in the red zone, taking points off the board. The Chargers were totally undisciplined. 12 pen- penalties for 99 yards, the stall drives. I think in a, in a normal game, we tend to see some points, but I just think, the Chargers kind of beat themselves. And then I, like one of the things that I found interesting when I was doing some research towards the end of the week when this total started to go up was that in their game against Tampa Bay, offensive coordinator Kellen Moore actually called 28 runs. And Dak Prescott actually checked out of about 12 of them. So coming into this game towards the end of the week, I started thinking maybe we'd see Dallas run the ball more since that's what they do. And they want to try to keep that defense off the off the field. Cowboys had 198 rushing yards, 6.4 yards per rush, rushing success rate of 61%. They won 50% run and 50% pass. So I think this was a game where 
really the Cowboys, they went out there and they decided to run the ball. They kind of ran down their throats. They were, they, they were fortunate to have some turnovers and they were able to capitalize on a lot of mistakes that the Chargers made. Yeah, I saw that stat about Kellen Moore as well. And actually made me a little apprehensive about Dallas. I came out of that week one game going, all right, Kellen Moore was ready for this. He knew Tampa Bay's run defense was awesome. And he just set up to you a different game plan altogether. Now, it turns out that was just Dak. Dak was just smarter than the coach. He knew that the runs weren't going to work. He found his own plays that did work. That made me actually like Dallas a little bit less coming out of uh, seeing that. The problem with this game is it felt like the old Chargers. Like you said, you know, we put a lot of this on Anthony Lynn. He's gone now. It's Brandon Staley. We're back to the same old Chargers mistakes. One for four in the red zone. They missed a field goal. They had multiple touchdowns taken off the board. Uh, Justin Herbert had big plays three times taken off by a penalty. There was 31-yard pass to Mike Williams. That was ineligible man downfield, came back. There's a 36-yard touchdown to Donald Parham. That was a holding and came back. And then late in the game, what looked like the winning touchdown to Jared Cook, they got that one. Cook even got an unsportsmanlike for taunting, which we apparently call every four plays in the NFL now, by the way. And that got taken off the board too. Then a couple of plays later, Herbert gets an 18-yard sack because of course he does. It's the Chargers. This is what the Chargers do. It's just, it's very disheartening. We praised the Chargers last week. We were here for it. Justin Herbert has, you know, he flashed huge arm strength. He had a couple big time plays and throws down the field. It looks to me right now, like this is a young quarterback that almost believes a little too much in himself. He's making some of those throws where it's just like, I can beat the defense even when there's not a window there. The, the old Brett Favre uh, red zone interception last week that almost cost them. This week, he had another one. He should have actually had three interceptions, but one got taken off the board by a penalty. So on the other hand, those, those big plays stay on the board. He's got 400 yards and three touchdowns, and it's a big win for them. So it's not, it's not like this is over for the Chargers, but it does seem like maybe it could, be, it could be a bumpy road. They're still figuring things out a little bit. Or without a doubt, I think you definitely have to downgrade them. For me, I think Denver is a step in, in class above them. I think this is a young team that just they make too many mistakes. And, you know, if you make a mistake in, in one week, like they played the Washington football team last week. We, we looked at Washington football team as one of the best defenses in the league. So we didn't necessarily hold it against them. But when you're playing Dallas, you can't go one for four in the red that just can't happen. This is this is not a great defense. So I'm dropping them down a notch. It's interesting, too, because it, apparently football has gone to West. The West division teams are 14 and two right now. The only two losses are the two we just talked about, the Chargers and the Chiefs, and they play next week. So as well as both of these teams have played as good as their offenses are, one of them is about to be one and two and really facing an uphill battle in the AFC. So let's go to the NFC West. All four NFC West teams are 2-0 and there, one of them being the Arizona Cardinals, who hung on to win 34-33 over my Minnesota Vikings, when you guys will never believe this, the Vikings missed a field goal for the win. Can you believe it? They actually did that again, just like happens like every month for my life forever. I can't even talk about this right now. Raheem, talk to me about the Vikings and the Cardinals. I, I picked the Vikings and in all of my contests as the Vikings plus four and a half. I had them plus three and a half. I really liked the Vikings in this game because I felt like these were two evenly matched teams. And I felt like the, the Cardinals were being a little bit overvalued. But I came away from this game thinking that the Cardinals were the better team. 
So if you look at the first half, the Vikings, I mean, they took control. They're running all over the, the Cardinals. Dalvin Cook is running out of control. He has 22 carries, 131 yards, six yards per, per carry. They're passing. But I think what it came down to is that the Vikings defense can't stop anybody. When they had the ball, they just had explosive plays. They couldn't be stopped. I mean, Kyler Murray, 29 of 36, 400 yards, 11.1 yards per pass, three touchdowns. Even with them losing the turnover battle, it felt like they were like one or two plays away from like truly taking control of this game. So I think the Vikings are going to struggle coming up just because they just, they don't have the defense to stop anybody. And Mike Zimmer is particularly frustrating. He might've aged out of this game because (laughs) obviously they were up six for various, various points in this game. And we saw the Baltimore Ravens know that they need to go for two because they need to cut the deficit to three. Whereas twice for the Minnesota Vikings, they just don't go for two to go up seven and Obviously, the Cardinals end up winning by one because of that decision. So I think this is the end of the Mike Zimmer era. I don't know if he's going to last past this year. Yeah, and, and let's be fair, too. The only reason the Vikings were in a position to need to go for two is because they missed the extra point in the first place. Same dude that missed the game-winning field goal that could have made up for his missed extra point. Don't worry, though. I'm sure he'll end up on another roster a couple of years from now and go like 39 of 40 and make every kick for some new team. Just can't happen but, but you know, that's, that's the crazy thing for me. It's like... The guy misses the extra point. Why are you playing for the field goal in that situation? It's like... Have you never watched Minnesota football before? This is how the Vikings go. This is Mike Zimmer ball. It's, it's, yeah, you're, you're right. It's the, the team hasn't quite caught up to the modern era of, you know, like there's, there's not a lot of like pre-snap movement. There's not a lot of creativity on offense. There, there are things that the offense and defense know that they do and they stick to them. And as recently as like five years ago, that would have been fine. But they just haven't, you know, look, if if we're talking about a game against Cliff Kingsbury and we're saying one coach is not looking modern and creative enough and it's not Cliff Kingsbury, something has really gone wrong in that spot. And that's the problem for Mike Zimmer. The The Cardinals have a lot of weapons. You know, A.J. Green had a nice touchdown. Rondale Moore, the rookie, had a huge end of the first half. He had a big touchdown that admittedly was more Kyler Murray than him. They had another big play to get them into a field goal range right near the end of the half. Max Williams had 94 yards at tight end. That's the most yards by a tight end in Cardinals history. Of course, it was against the Vikings. The Vikings love to be in the record books on the other side of things. But it's crazy that you can get huge games from those guys. And then DeAndre Hopkins didn't even do a whole lot. You know, they don't even need their huge weapons to have big games and still put up huge stats. Kyler is really climbing in the MVP ranks right now. As of late Sunday night at BetMGM, Kyler Murray is basically a three-way favorite right now for MVP. Patrick Mahomes is plus six hundred. Kyler is plus six fifty. Tom Brady is plus seven hundred. So those three names have started to separate themselves. Mahomes falls back to the pack a little bit here. Do we think that Arizona is the real deal or are we still feeling like this was more about the Vikings and more about the Titans last week? See, I mean, I, I bet the, I bet the Vikings this week. So that should tell you that I'm not that high on Arizona Cardinals. I just think their offense is, it, it's a problem, but it's just, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, they still have Cliff Kingsbury. So it's only so much I can respect them before they beat an opponent that, yeah. that, that wakes me up. 
Yeah, the Vikings, I think, are in big trouble. They're 0-2. The next two games are against the Seahawks and the Browns. They're back in Minnesota, but that's easily possible 0-4. And after that, it doesn't get a lot easier. They still got to play the Packers twice. They still have to play the Steelers, the Rams, and the Cowboys. And they have to play at the Niners, the Chargers, and the Ravens. That's 10 more games that they're going to be underdogs in. And they're already 0-2. This was supposed to be a playoff team. And... The talent is still there. It's not, it's not dead on arrival. They're close to being 2-0. They could easily have been 2-0 right now, but it's it's an uphill battle from here. Like this, this game flips so quickly. The, the Vikings were up 20 to 7 in the second quarter. And then by the end of the quarter, they're losing going into halftime. Like that should tell you the problems with this, this Vikings defense. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about another one of those NFC West 2-0 teams, the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams held on to win 27 to 24 over the Indianapolis Colts. That one hit the over by a few points. Uh, the Colts did cover the spread at plus four, uh, but did not quite get the win. What did you think about these teams? And there was a lot of sharp money on the Indianapolis Colts this week. And I, I personally disagree with it because I felt Wentz, he has his turnover issues and, and going point for point against the Los Angeles Rams team that proved that they could score. And it, it felt like the Sharps were right. I mean, these two teams, they play equal football. Rams had 21 first downs. Colts had 22. Rams had 371 total yards. Colts had 354. Carson Wentz, when he's not running for his life, he's, he's he actually plays some solid football. And obviously they, they, they're missing the starting tackles, Eric Fisher, Brandon Smith's been banged up. Quentin Nelson's been banged up. But the Colts were in this game, but they just went one for four in the red zone. Obviously, Carson Wentz threw the shovel pass that got intercepted. But they did have some good luck as well. They had the block punt, which got them some points. But this this was a pretty evenly matched game, and it showed me that the Colts, they have a good chance of challenging them for their division, like possibly be a playoff team. And I think they're a team that I want to buy low on. Now, obviously, Carson Wentz got hurt in this game, but they're, they're, they're a solid team. Yeah, we definitely need to see what the status is for Carson Wentz. The, the good thing is that when Wentz was hurt in the preseason, we know the Colts already prepared for Jacob Eason if he does end up needing to play. Didn't seem to help today at the end of the game, but it's a quick turnaround. Well, not a quick turnaround. We've got a week, but the Colts travel to Tennessee next week. And that's a huge game coming up because if Carson can't go and now you got the backup quarterback and the Titans, we'll talk about them in a second, but they got the win today. So the Titans could essentially go up, you know, two, two and a half games with a tie break, basically. And that's an early hole. The Colts fall to 0-3 if they can't get that one. So that's a big game on the schedule. Yeah, you mentioned the red zone. 1-4 this week, 2-4 last week. Three out of eight is not going to get the job done. And like, if you could make football a game that was played between the 20s, I think the Colts would be in pretty good shape right now. But that's not how the game works. They ran seven plays inside the five-yard line. They picked up positive yardage on none of them. They ran seven plays for negative 10 yards and interception. Guess what? That's that's not good. Seven plays for minus 10 yards and interception when you're supposed to be punching into the end zone. And especially for a team that prides itself on its offensive line and its run game. And Carson is supposed to be able to scramble. Jonathan Taylor is, is presumed to be this great inside back. You can't do that. And the Rams are a tough defense inside. But look, we saw the Bears run on this team last week. If the Bears can run on you, the Colts should be able to run and, and get a few plays. So I'm a little worried about the Colts. 
just because they haven't been able to convert there, but it is still the AFC South, which leaves things open to me. My takeaway is not so much that I feel better or worse about the Colts. This is about what I thought. I'm just underwhelmed by the Rams. They have gotten wins in both of their games, but they definitely have not looked impressive. And the defense looks very beatable. You know, they, they're making those red zone stops, but we know that that's a little bit random over time, but they're giving up a lot of yardage to offenses that I don't think they should be giving up a lot of yardage to. No one is really afraid of Andy Dalton and Carson Wentz, but they're moving the football on them. So the Rams are a team to me that I will be watching kind of as an overrated spot. The team might be getting a few too many points. Is it possible that the Bears are being underrated at this point? I think it's possible. The Bears have have looked solid in a couple of their games. Well, they're only two games. Yeah. They definitely have moved the ball. The defense looked really good today, certainly compared to last week's game where they're getting up those long plays. So, yeah, it's it's hard this early in the season because it's so hard still not to overreact. And we're making all these, well, this team beat this opponent, but that opponent looked terrible last week. But it's only two games, and it's hard to know exactly how much to read into that. Let's let's stick in the division. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit with the lightning round and a few other games that caught our eye. I'm going to go next to the biggest upset of the day, which was my week two upset special. The Tennessee Titans got the job done in overtime in Seattle, 33-30. to 30. That one hit the over. The Titans finished at 6.5 underdogs, plus 225 on the money line. And though this went to overtime, the Titans dominated this game. The, the Seahawks were up 30 to 16 at one point. It should have been 31 16, but they missed the extra point. And, the, you know, that always somehow comes back when it's the Seahawks. You know, that's going to come out there. But the Titans had 33 first downs, only 17 for Seattle. They ran 83 plays in this game. That'll tear your defense out in a hurry. That's 31 more plays than Seattle. The teams combined for 929 yards. The Titans had 20 more minutes time of possession. Derrick Henry had a monster, monster game, or, you know, just an ordinary game for Derrick Henry. 35 carries, 182 yards, and three touchdowns. Somehow, Mike Vrabel was unconvinced. So when the Titans did score the touchdown at the end of the game, and you have Derrick Henry, who literally is running over the whole defense, just go for two and end it right here. Nah, we'd rather just try to tie it and see what happens in overtime. Yeah, at least run the clock out with Derrick Henry. Nah, we'll give the ball to Russell Wilson in 30 seconds, see what happens. Whatever is the opposite of a coaching clinic is what we watched, I feel like, in this one. But the Titans got the win. They had nine drives of 50 or more yards. This felt like Titans football again. We talked last week about the line wasn't showing up. They weren't running the ball. They weren't doing the play action. This was a huge win for Tennessee. So while you came away thinking that you felt good about Indianapolis, I liked Indianapolis in the division. I came away from this win feeling like, okay, Tennessee has control of this division right now until proven otherwise to me. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. You know, I was really impressed with how they slowed down Russell Wilson in the second half. The Seahawks, they were dominant in the first half, and it looked like they were just going to race to a blowout win. And in the second half, the Titans, they, they closed the windows, locked the doors. So that was really impressive. For me, I came away from the Steelers Raiders game. The Steelers close as six and a half point favorites. The Raiders won as plus 220 money line underdogs. I just didn't expect the Raiders to perform well in that spot. Historically, I spoke about it last week. The Raiders don't perform well coming off that Monday night 
primetime game. And they went out there and beat them out. But I, I think it says a lot about the Steelers. The Steelers' offense, they continue to struggle. They just had a 32% success rate, 5.9 yards per play, just 5 for 12 on third down. This team can't run the ball. They're 2.8 yards per carry, 21% success rate. Early rush is even worse, minus 0.19 EPA. It's just it's just truly a struggle for this Pittsburgh offense with Big Ben, and he just looks like he's not the same quarterback. It almost feels like you're watching a game and he's just throwing they're, – they're taking multiple deep shots and hoping that one works out. Team had a 36% passing success rate, and unfortunately for the Steelers, the strength of their, their team is their defense, and they're banged up on the defensive end. So they lost Tyson Alalula out for the season. T.J. Watt had a groin injury. Joe Hayden and Devin Bush, they didn't play with soft tissue injuries. And the Raiders were able to just kind of get whatever they wanted offensively. Put up 373 total yards, 9.6 yards per play. Derek Carr had 383 yards and two touchdowns. And even though they still slowed down Darren Waller, it, it looked like the Raiders could just get whatever they want. So I left thinking that the Steelers are probably going to miss the playoffs this year. And they're a team that I'm kind of, I'm going to be looking to fade, but I also left being a little bit impressed with the Raiders because I think their, their defense has improved. They're not the pushovers that they were last year. I, I'm not going to sit, sit up here and say they're one of the best defenses in the league, but they're a team that can compete with anybody on any given night. And obviously they beat Baltimore last week and Baltimore just beat Kansas City. So this is a team that's they're solid. And I'm not going to say they're for real, but they're a team that you you can be able to bet on sometime this year. Yeah, they're a team that you got to show up for, which is not necessarily what we thought about the Raiders coming into the season. And yeah, especially coming off of an emotional Monday night win in front of your home crowd, winning twice in overtime with two winning touchdowns, traveling east. This was a huge trap spot for them. So to come out and just take care of business on the road, even with the Steelers not really being as great as they have been before, it's a big win. It really says something about the Raiders. Derek Carr has been awesome. He's he's moving up the MVP odds right now. Can't say I'd be betting on that one, but if he keeps playing like this, you never know. I want to talk about the Browns. They were my favorite bet of the day. I thought that the Browns were just going to roll the Texans, and they didn't. They... It was a weird case where, so Cleveland won 31 to 21. We hit the over, but the Texans covered their 13.5 point spread. And it was a weird case of the Browns sort of playing with their food. They were never really in danger of losing, but they also never really had much of a shot at the cover. It just kind of stuck right in the middle there, but it, it was both ways. It was a very underwhelming game for the Browns. But it's also encouraging that the Browns can be underwhelming, not really look very good, but still win comfortably as well. And look, the Texans are not a great team. I think maybe they're a little better than we've given them credit for. They're comfortably 2-0 against the spread now. Like they, they have covered both of those times very easily. And, you know, they're they're a team of veterans and professionals. They're showing up, they're they're proving that you're gonna have to actually show up and beat them. But the Browns took care of business, even when they weren't playing their best. Uh, Baker Mayfield, again, didn't have an overwhelming stat line, but he's putting up a huge yards per average. They're connecting downfield. He doesn't really have anyone to throw to right now either. Jarvis Landry is hurt. Odell Beckham hasn't played yet. He's missing Jedrick Wills, his left tackle today. They were playing with their third string left tackle. So I don't know. I'm disappointed that the Browns didn't cover. This was my favorite play of the day. But 
they did get a comfortable win. This has been a Browns podcast. They're our Super Bowl pick here. You know, an old Cleveland team, I think, loses this game or at least comes very close to it. And they kind of had this the whole way. So it's a bummer today, but big picture, I don't mind it. Eagles 49ers game was really fascinating. There was a lot of sharp money on the Philadelphia Eagles at plus three and a half, plus three. This line went down to minus two and a half. The 49ers covered as two and a half point road favorites. It felt like it was going according to script from what the, the Sharps betting markets. The Eagles dominated the first half of this game. They had 328 total yards, 6.0 yards per play. Eagles had 5.2 yards per rush, 6.8 yards per pass, 151 rushing yards. It, they were up 3-0 in the second quarter, and it felt like the Eagles should have been up 17 points. They, they, they really just let a winnable game slip through their fingers. Jalen Rieger stepped out of bounds. He negated a touchdown. Watkins had a 91-yard reception, and it led to zero points. When the Eagles went for it and they pulled out the Philly special and it didn't work, <laughs> it just it felt like the Eagles were driving the ball and they were they were slowing down the 49ers. The 49ers couldn't do anything. And right before that half, the 49ers scored a touchdown and it just felt like they never looked back. Unfortunately for the Eagles, they lost guard Brandon Brooks and then they lost defensive end Brandon Graham. Things snowballed from there. So the Eagles are a young team that – they have a chance to challenge for the division because the division is not great. But when you let wins like this slip through your fingers, it's it's tough sled. And 49ers, they're dealing with a, a ton of injuries. So they're a team that I just don't see is going to necessarily challenge for that division and this, with the, the Seahawks and the Rams just because at some point you can't overcome these injuries. They lost Jason Verrett. They lost Emmanuel Mosley. Like, I mean, they lost pretty much all of their running backs. Elijah Mitchell got hurt. It's just they're in a tough position. And they obviously they pulled out a gritty one today, but I don't know if they're going to be able to continue to do that week after week. Yeah, it's interesting. Even though the NFC West teams are all two and oh, we've seen we see the flaws in all four of them as well. So it'll be interesting to see what shapes up there. I would be remiss if I did not point out that was our take me on game of the week. So I'm one and oh on our take me on. We'll see what we get to on Friday. The Eagles have a big game coming up there on Monday night next week in Dallas. So that's really a set the tone for the division between those two teams right now. So, all right, let's zoom through our final six leftover games to wrap up week two. Trevor Lawrence threw two more interceptions and the Jaguars had only 21 minutes of possession. Denver coasted to a second straight under and cover. So easy. We didn't have to watch. I forgot the game was on half of the time. Uh, Lawrence wasn't the only rookie quarterback that struggled. Zach Wilson had four interceptions today. Bill Belichick's Patriots improved to 22 and six against rookie quarterbacks and the Patriots got an easy cover and under there. Sticking in the AFC East, it was a sloppy game in Miami Tua Tagovailoa left early with a rib injury and never got back. And the Dolphins really never got going. The Bills won 35, nothing their biggest shutout in franchise history, despite kind of another forgettable day from Josh Allen. And so Buffalo obviously got the cover and the game went under there. The Buccaneers got two pick sixes from some dude named Mike Edwards in the fourth quarter, got the backdoor cover there. Tampa ended up winning 48 to 25, but it felt closer than the final score. It went way over as Tom Brady got five touchdowns, nine touchdowns now on the year, well on his way to that 50 that I predicted in the preseason. As for the Saints in the division, so much for what we saw in week one. New Orleans had six first downs the entire game. 
They averaged three yards of play. They only finished with 13 more actual yards than penalty yards. The Panthers rolled 26 to seven, an upset win and another under Carolina's defense looking pretty legit and two and zero atop the division with Tampa Bay. And last, but certainly not least, the Bears beat the Bengals 2017 to push or cover, depending on when you played it. Joe Burrow was picked off on three consecutive throws at one point. We mentioned the Bears defense looking good. Justin Fields got on the field, relieved an injured Andy Dalton, and even played hero. He got a late uh, key fumble recovery and the clinching first down run. And to our chief content officer, Chad Millman, and my newly minted actuary friend, Blaine, things are indeed looking up here in Chicago. Bear down. Bear down, Chicago Bears. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll hit Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. Well, Monday night football, Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Well, we got one of the two, right? The Lions are not the best team in the world. They went down 38 to 10 last week. The Packers, well, they were in worse shape than them as well. So the Packers, despite their awful week one showing, our 11.5 point favorites right now. The total is at 48 heading into Monday night. The Lions are plus 450 to the money line. That is a heavy underdog, an implied 18% chance of victory. So Raheem, what are you thinking about our Monday night action? I think we're both in agreement for this game. This line has went up to Packers minus 12, but I think the Packers are going to completely take this team into the deep waters and drown them. Aaron Rodgers comes off one of the worst performances of his career. He completed just 30% of his pass for 133 yards and two interceptions. This Packers team, they really struggled in week one. They faced a Saints team that really has a great pass rush. And then they, they started two rookies on the offensive line. They got a lot of time to think about that. And they're facing the Lions defense, which gave up 41 points, 442 yards, eight yards per play, and a whopping 11 and a half yards per pass against the 49ers in week one. They lost their second-year quarterback, Jeff Okuda, for the year. And they don't have a lot of depth at corner, so 
Normally, I'm not in favor of laying double digits in the NFL, but in this spot, I got to take it. The Packers are 26, 13, and 1. That's 66.7% against the spread following a loss with Aaron Rodgers at cornerback. So later points with the Packers, they should bounce back here. But there's also a prop I like. I like Jared Goff to throw an interception. If you can find that, I think it's in the 170 range. Take Jared Goff to throw an interception. He doesn't have Sean McVay in his headset, calling out audibles, telling him what the defense looks like. And he's going to have to be forced to go point for point with Aaron Rodgers, which means that he's going to take a chance. So bet him to, to throw an interception. I am with you on this one. This is Green Bay Packers all the way. Get your money in while you can. Don't wait around for kickoff because this line is probably going to get to 13, 13 and a half. Why not? The books know which side you're going to be betting and they don't want to be giving you free points on that. So get your money in now. Look, week one was not great for Green Bay. Week one was a disaster, especially as bad as the Saints look today. Uh, but it's it happens. It happens. Watching that game back, it wasn't as bad, anywhere near as bad as it looked. Aaron Rodgers just missed a couple of throws that could have really changed things. There was a drive right before halftime and against the Saints where the Packers usually punch that in for a touchdown, settle for a field goal. They missed a throw there. Right after the half, the Packers are driving deep. Aaron Rodgers gets hit, throws a red zone interception, which he does like once a decade or so. Probably there was a defensive hole in the play anyway. Should have been a touchdown or a field goal. Ended up going the other way, and the Saints went down the field and got a touchdown. If things go Green Bay's way, they're 17 to 14, and maybe the Packers win that game, and maybe this line is minus 14, something even higher than that. Um, the Packers are going to be fine. It was just an off game, and things really unraveled for them. Detroit was terrible in week one. This is not a good football team. It was 41-17 in their week one game with under two minutes left. So don't believe what you saw in the last two minutes and throw out the first 58. Detroit is not good. They're also missing Taylor Decker starting left tackle. So the one thing that I did like from them in week one was they, they played well in the trenches. They got the run game going a little bit, but now you're missing your offense, your best offensive lineman. And yeah, if, if Jimmy G and Debo Samuel light up this Lions secondary, then what are Rogers and Devante going to do? And I think we know the answer. I think it's going to be ugly. I like the Jared Goff prop. You know, if if the Lions are trailing all game, as we expect, he's going to have to make some throws. And the Packers don't have the greatest defense, but they do tend to gamble and make some nice plays. I like that. Here's my question for you, Raheem. We are expecting a huge Rodgers win. We're expecting the Packers to just plow through this team. What if they don't? Like, would you consider live betting? Let's say that it gets to end of the first quarter and it's Lions 10-0 or like, the, the, you know, at some point, second quarter, halftime, and the Packers are plus money. Something has happened. They're trailing. What would have to happen for you not to want to bet on Rodgers to just be like, you know what? I think I might be out on the Packers after all. Their defense is, hasn't been the strongest. I think Zadarius Smith is out for the season. I believe, I think, I believe he's, he's on IR. So obviously they could take a step back there. I think what would have to happen is that the offensive line is not holding up. Obviously, they started two new rookies. They lost Corey Lindsley. David Bakhtiari is still recovering from his injury. If they can't hold up against the Lions and he doesn't have time in the same way he didn't have time against the Saints, then, I mean, and I don't think that's going to happen because obviously the, <laughs> the Lions don't have the pass for us yeah. the Saints have. But I think those are the things that would 
will keep me from live betting the Packers in that situation. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an unfair question. As you're answering, I'm thinking to myself, I, I honestly don't know what, like my phone dying is what could keep me from betting on Aaron Rodgers live <laughs> in that spot. That's it. My phone dies, the internet goes out. And even then I might get in my car and like drive to somewhere else and find some internet connection and get my money in. If Aaron Rodgers is going to go down with the ship at home at Lambeau on Monday night to these Detroit Lions, take my money. It, it, he may not cover the spread, but if I get a chance to bet plus money at some live spot, you know, I will re, I will adjust my opinion on Rodgers after the game. If the Lions actually win this one, we'll talk. We'll have a new conversation. I'll be ready to readjust then. The Lions are not going to Green Bay and beating Aaron Rodgers. Not these Lions, not this Detroit team. So I don't see it happening. I do look forward to watching Peyton and Eli Manning watch this game together. Just going to sit in my living room with Peyton and Eli, enjoy some snacks, bring on some great guests again. I can't wait to hear them gush, gush about Aaron Rodgers. And then for it to see what happens, the look on their faces, the things that they want to say, but no, they can't when Jared Goff does Jared Goff things. Like the contrast between their reactions to Rodgers and then Goff. Oh man, I've been waiting all week for this. So I'm excited for that. Monday night should be a good one. Let's look forward to week three. As you know, we are never, never wanting to just sit back on our laurels and look back on the last games. We're already ready for the next week. We're going to do our hot read for week three. We always are looking ahead to the next lines. Those lines are up. You can bet those right now. You can bet those while you're listening to this podcast. And I didn't feel great about week two. I love week three. I looked at this slate of games. I immediately know who I like in like 11 or 12 out of these 16 games. Stark contrast to how I felt for these games. So Raheem, give me a hot read for week two. Who are you thinking? I'm going with the Green Bay Packers plus four and a half. I think obviously we just spoke about the Monday night football game between the Lions and the Packers. And if the Packers do what they're supposed to do by blowing out the Lions, this line's going to go down. So I think at four and a half, you have some value. For me, it's a, it's, I'm going to be fading the San Francisco 49 over the next couple of weeks. This is a banged-up team. Like I said before, I think Aaron Rodgers can actually take advantage of this defense in ways that the Eagles did. Well, in, in many ways, the Eagles actually did. They just didn't put up points on the board. So that's a play on that. Yeah, I like that one. I definitely agree with kind of fading the 49ers for now. I'm not out on them, but it does feel like they're a little bit overrated of, of what the public is, is thinking that they are right now. And yeah, look, we know how Aaron Rodgers feels about San Francisco. That's the team that had the number one pick when Rodgers came out in the draft. And he's held that against them all these years. The man loves to go back to the Bay, his home, and play the 49ers. That's the team that he wanted to be on. Who knows? Maybe the team he will be on a year from now but we know that he loves that spot. So I like that one. I'm going with an, a great quarterback as well. I literally had to check this line three times to make sure that the little plus I was seeing was accurate. Folks, Tom Brady and the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers are underdogs right now in week three of the National Football League. Underdogs. The Buccaneers are plus one and a half against the Los Angeles Rams. I genuinely can't believe it. What are we doing making Tom Brady and the Bucs underdogs? This team has won nine games in a row right now. That's counting the postseason. And all nine of those games, they've scored at least 30 points. On top of it, we've talked about the Rams. 
It's not a great team. They're underwhelming. The Rams are letting the Bears and the Colts move the ball. They're letting those teams move the ball on them and get in a scoring position. Guess what? The Bucs are a little bit better than the Bears and the Colts. So this feels like the trappiest trap that ever trapped. That's the only reason that I'm not ready to back the Brinks up on the Bucs. You know, it is in Los Angeles. It's going to be a huge home crowd. They're going to be into the game, but there's going to be plenty of Tom Brady fans in Los Angeles too. You be sure of that. And if you give me Tom Brady in the Bucs as an underdog, like this team looks so good right now that I feel like we could look back a month or two from now and be like, what were we thinking? How did we ever make that team an underdog? So I love the spot for Tom and the Bucs. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. This this Bucks offense is rolling, and I don't want to get in front of that train right now. All right, who's your other hot read for, for week three? My other hot read is I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals minus seven. It's pretty clear that this line is going to go up. It's a shame that they're not – sportsbooks don't put up team totals early because I would be taking their team total over. The over-under is 52 right now, but I don't want to want to play a full game over because I don't know if Jacksonville is going to hit it. But when I look at this Jacksonville defense, they gave up 37 to the Texans, 23 to the Broncos. They're 24th in defensive EPA, 28th in drop pack EPA. Look, this team can't really stop anybody. And then not, not only that, your fate, they have a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who can't keep his guys on the field. He can't keep that offense on the field. And when you're facing – Kyler Murray and this this Cardinals offense that has weapons everywhere. They're, they're going to have problems stopping this team. And this Cardinals offense is top 10 in EPA. They're second in explosive pass play rate with 18% of their pass plays going for 20 yards or more. We watched that game between the Vikings and the Cardinals today. They were down 20 to 7. And in a matter of minutes, they have the lead. So I don't see how the Jacksonville Jaguars slow this team down. At some point, there's going to be a bye point in the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not here. Yeah, I I like this one. The only reason I'm a little disappointed is because when I was looking ahead Saturday night prepping for this segment, I circled this one. The Cardinals were minus 6.5, and I was like, oh, baby, give me that one before we hit the key number. Well, we missed the key number, but I still feel pretty good about it. The Jaguars are terrible. We came out of week one thinking like, oh, hey, the Texans are not bad. They actually won the game. The Jaguars might just be worse than the Texans. They might just be awful. Their defense is bad. This Urban Meyer thing is, is, it's bad. The team account is sending out a tweet on, on the night of week two's games, reassuring fans, don't worry, guys, it'll get better. It's week two. We're 0-2. Settle down, Jacksonville Jaguars. This is not a good look for you guys. So I like the Cardinals there. I am sticking with a team for my other hot read that I missed on this week, but I'm going back to the well on the Cleveland Browns. They're minus 7.5 right now against the Bears. I realize we're already on the wrong side of a key number there. I just think this line could really move. We don't necessarily know yet who's going to play quarterback for the Bears. Uh, Hopefully Justin Fields, but God knows what they're doing with Andy Dalton. Dude got hurt and I was like, hey, great. The reason to play Fields And then a few plays later, they put Dalton back out there again. Like, what are you doing? We're trying to get the rookie on the field. How hard is this to be? And so, I don't know. Dalton might play. Fields might play. Seven and a half for the Browns is just not a high number. I know that they didn't cover that game against the Texans today, so maybe there's some hesitancy there. But this is another one I had circled Saturday. This line was around 10, and now it dropped down. 
And it's not because of the Bears. I mean, the Bears are looking fine, but it's not like they moved this thing. It's it's losing a little confidence in the Browns. I'm not losing confidence. I feel fine with this team. The Browns are a team that should be able to control with the line, with the run game, with a tough defense. If Justin Fields does play, I like the Bears better in theory, but that means that he is starting his first game on the road against a pretty talented Cleveland defense and kind of a pressure spot too. going back to Ohio where he's played a few games, big games there in his life. So I like the Browns a lot. I was going to take this one when it was around 10. I thought the line might get towards 12 or 13 as they're pushing it away from that teaser spot. So I love it at seven and a half. I think the line is definitely going to move toward Cleveland's direction. So I want to grab those points before that line starts moving up. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I think Cleveland is the cream of the crop in this league right now. We saw how they dominated Kansas City in week one. We saw how they came back and did what they needed to do against the Houston Texans. And I think this is going to be a spot to where everybody's going to want to play this. So this line is going to go up. I also would recommend taking our our last two picks and putting that in the teaser. Cleveland Browns minus seven and a half. Teasing that down six points to one and a half. And then teasing the Arizona Cardinals down from seven to one. I think you've got a good positive expected value teaser with those two teams. I don't necessarily like to tease home road teams with the Arizona Cardinals, but I think they should be able to beat Jacksonville. So I tease those two, two teams down. I like that. And that's so funny because I was going to recommend the same thing with their other two picks. You can tease Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady as underdogs. And now all that has to happen is Aaron Rodgers has to not lose by double digits and Tom Brady has to not lose by a, more than a touchdown. And yeah, they're on the road against tough teams, but boy, all I have to do is have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers not lose by seven and 10 points. And I can cover that teaser. I promise you this, those lines are not going to stay there because the books are going to start getting some of that money in on that. Tampa Bay is going to be favored. I think by the time that that game kicks off, so I fully expect that line to move through the zero and, and probably come out the other side. So, yeah, we've got some good reads here. Definitely, if you like any of these four, I think they set up nicely for a teaser if you want to pair a few of them together, a couple of them together. So it's definitely a nice spot. So that is going to wrap it up for week two today here at the Action Network podcast. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review if you have not already. Stucky and Raybon will be back Thursday with their NFL betting guide six-pack. And Raheem and I are back Friday for our usual run through the slate. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network Podcast. We are on to week three. <laughs>